Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's an episode of the Voices of Misery podcast, and of course, I am one half of your dynamic duo, the Nerds. I'm the Nerd, and with me today, we have a special guest, and you guys know I've been wanting to do a Halloween episode, and we try to do one every single year. So this time around, I wanted to reach out to an expert, someone who has really put their boots to the ground and gotten into the whole spiritual movement and has a lot of interesting stories to tell us about. I'm talking about June Ahern. She is a writer, psychic, and paranormal investigator. June, how are you doing? And thank you for coming on the show. Doing very well today. Thank you. Now, you live in Northern California, so I want to start off with a little icebreaker here. How's the weather out there right now? How are things in California? Well, I'm over by the ocean. I can walk to it in about 15 minutes, and it's really uh, overcast today, uh, foggy, kind of strange weather with the uh, planet, what's going on. But yeah, so it's gray. Let me put it that way. It is gray here. Gray and spooky kind of fits the theme of today's show now. I'm really excited to talk about this because I love the supernatural. I love everything that has to do with ghosts, the unknown, the paranormal, and you are the person to talk to. (laughs) Did a little bit of research here, and to start things off here, you had a near-death experience in the early 70s that you say opened up your paranormal uh, abilities. Can you give us a little background on that and kind of explain how this all came about? Well, before that, uh, my mother was undeclared intuitive uh, through her dreams. And so she kind of sparked an interest in that. But coming from the family, you know, we were a pretty religious family, so we weren't allowed to ever tell anybody if she had this. 1970, I was 19 years old, and I was in an automobile, a near-fatal automobile accident. And according to the doctors and the ambulance, I expired really just for seconds. Uh, you know, 10, 20 seconds, and then they brought me back very quickly. But during that time, my, well, my my belief now, and, and then it was kind of confusing, is that I went to the pearly gates, but I got turned back. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> thing I can say. You know, I really was quite willing to stay there. And uh, I know after surgery, I went into shock. And that happens uh, at times when people come out of surgery and stuff. And I do recall them saying, you know, oh, she's in shock. I could hear them, you know. So the other side, blissful. Even just saying that word isn't enough. The beauty, the serenity, uh, the laughter. I was just reflecting today in meditation how soft and gentle everything was. People were laughing, kind of like Ricky Nelson's a garden party feel. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. He Great reference. <laughs> Great reference. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I wanted to go in. There was a gate in front of me uh, not allowing me into this garden party where I recognized relatives that I didn't personally know that had gone before me. Um, but I had saw photographs of my parents' photo albums. Uh, but they were there and everybody was just so mellow and so peaceful and laugh. It was the laughter, the really gentle uh, laughter that was going on. And I wanted to join them. I was told by grandparents that met me, hi, June, you know, no, you can't come in, go back, go back. And I really felt sad that I couldn't go in. And then I came back and woke up in the, uh, and, you know, woke up after the surgery in the hospital. Uh, it didn't happen right away. I wasn't conscious that I had anything different in my life. 
uh, I do uh, about a few months before I had this accident, I went for a card reading, just the playing deck of cards we all use by a woman, a friend took me. And she said that I was going to have an accident and she made other predictions that actually happened. So I became interested in how that happened after a period of time. It took me a long time to recover. I had um, very uh, terrible facial uh, accidents. You know, I needed surgery to pull my face back together. And I just was both young enough and had the best plastic surgeon uh, from Stanford down there uh, in the Bay Area where I was. So everything kind of worked to my favor. But uh, I didn't know about having psychic abilities right away because uh, I was recovering health wise. But I started to have a lot of deja vus. Uh, I've been there before. I've seen this before. And that was very curious. That's how it went on. Took me many years to even tell anybody. Uh, Back then, you did not talk openly about something like near-death experiences. Not like nowadays. But back then, uh, not until Dr. Uh, Raymond Moody came out with his book around 1978, Life After, uh, you know, Life After Life, uh, wasn't even accepted then very much from the professional science and and uh, doctors and psychologists so it was a it was a very rough time no i've been doing a lot of uh, rabbit hole searching i've been going on a lot of rabbit holes just trying to you know get information about people that have near-death experiences and kind of like hear the, the consistencies and the inconsistencies you know because everyone has a different experience and whatnot the one common theme that i find from these people that have these experiences that come back is that they feel a lot of remorse, like they almost don't want to come back. They don't like life because they've seen what it's like on the other side, and they've seen how much joy and love and happiness there is. Did you experience any of that when you came back? Like maybe, oh, geez, you know, I'm here, and it's so much better there. Did you have any of that? Well, I did. I certainly felt that way, like, oh, that was so beautiful, and here I am. Um, I don't know if it would be remorse. Uh, more, it could have been somewhat inspirational to my spiritual journey, I have to say. Uh, how do I attain? How do I attain that feeling again? That feeling of blissfulness, that feeling of deep relaxation, comfort. And of course, then I began to look at meditation. I began to look at uh, taking more walks in nature again. But it was still really rough. I had a um, not a very happy life to begin with. And I had suffered from depression. Uh, So I began to look at ways of how to deal with it. It took many years to feel that I had reached any place of that serenity. I think serenity is a nice word to use. Is there any way you can touch that kind of peace and serenity through meditation that you felt when you had the near-death experience? Is there anything that can compare to it? Very Through really a conscious and dedicated meditation practice, one can achieve uh, certain places of serenity, relaxation, um, beauty. But it is a a practice. So I would say that I've reached it in some ways, but not entirely as the way I experienced when I died and went to the other side. I have not yet experienced that greatness of it. Now, you mentioned going to the other side. Now, there are many variations of what the other side is, depending on what version of religion that you, you, you practice. 
where do you think you were? Do you think you were in heaven? Do you think you were in some kind of purgatory where people are waiting to get interviewed to get to heaven? Where do you think you were exactly? Well, from my religion, and you are right, depending on a person's religious training and, and their own uh, beliefs, I had thought of it as heaven at that time. Mm. I had thought that I had reached a heaven state. Uh, and so that's the way I, I looked at it. As time went on and I expanded my consciousness of spirituality and meta- metaphysics, I think of us going into different dimensions, different spaces where we are opened to much more uh, different kinds of reality and experiences, what we can see and what we can experience. But at that time, I did think of it as heaven, according to my own religious training. And purgatory, that's interesting you brought it up. In my religious training as a Catholic, uh, we very much knew about purgatory. I understand it at a whole different way right now than I had back then and for quite a few years. Oh, okay. So what do you, uh, in, in your words, how would you describe purgatory? Well, I look at it as a dimensional space before you reach that place of serenity, before you reach that place of clear understanding of self and why you chose to come to earth and what are you learning. Before you reach that place, you're in a particular kind of room, say. You're in a room where you have an opportunity to, uh, you know, the five people you would meet in heaven, the book, you know, um, to make amends, to see what your part is. You know, usually now we all uh, stand up for our right to be something. I'm, I have every right to be mad at that person. I have every right to feel whatever it is we're feeling. And you just let a lot of that go. In purgatory, you're allowed to say you have an opportunity to view yourself, to view what kind of actions, words, and thoughts did you contribute to your own misery in life, your own conflict in life. And what would you do differently? If given a chance, what would you do differently? To me, that is the room of purgatory before you elevate or move up to another dimensional space. And I'm really only studying more dimensional spaces, so I can't uh, give more of a talk about that at this time. Okay, understandable. And and that was actually a great answer. So, I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied with that answer, you know, by itself. Now, you, you did say that you were told that you, you couldn't talk about this, you shouldn't talk about this gift that you were having, the near-death experience and everything. When did you feel like you could talk about this? When did you become more open and comfortable about it? Well, after the uh, a time after the accident, when I actually, I was in the hospital for over a week, which <laughs> nowadays, you know, that never would have happened. That's how severely um, injured I was. Uh, and so I would have to say probably within a couple of years, after the accident, I found a class called the Tarot card to read the Tarot. And since I had had a reading in playing cards and I had bought a book in it and I was teaching myself how to read the playing cards, which was really interesting. And I would do it for some people and they liked it, but I needed more. And I, when I saw this class, I thought, and this is back in the olden days, the cover, almost covered wagon days in the 70s. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's how people you know, can't relate to it. You didn't find classes on the web because there was no web. Exactly. Uh, you, you went around and you saw a flyer somewhere or a little <laughs> newspaper or something or an ad in a magazine. And I took this class, uh, the Tarot Cards. After a few classes, the instructor asked me to stay after class. And so I did. And she said, uh, have you 
done this before, you know, read these cards. I said, no, I'm just studying. She said, you're really, really good at this. You are very uh, aware. And uh, at that time, you used the word more psychic. People didn't use intuition or they used ESP. You know, that was more of the the lingo then. And she said, "Um, I think you should really consider keep studying this and reading for people. And so I did. And eventually I went into a practice uh, because I enjoyed the tarot so much. I enjoyed it and I related to it. And I would I practiced on everybody from my mother to all my sisters, to all my girlfriends, to strangers. I would even do it sometimes in a bar for a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I I did. You probably do some pretty good crowds, too. You got the tarot cards. I can imagine a crowd of people just around you like, do me next. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And then finally, in 1975, a friend said, I have three friends that want to come for a reading. I said, oh, my God. She says, they'll pay you. I said, well, okay, $5 a person then. And it just exploded after that. I never advertised for readings, ever. And I was busy all the time because I loved it so much. I loved doing it. Now, are these abilities inside of everyone or are you chosen to have this ability? And the reason why I ask this is because it seems like the origin story for people that have psychic abilities normally start off with some sort of traumatic injury. And it's almost like fate decided for you to have that so you can now gain the power or the gift that you have now. Yeah, it is an ability. I believe just about everybody on planet Earth has intuitive abilities uh, whether they believe them, whether they use them, whether they know how to believe them, uh, how, how to use them, uh, that's another thing. It's like any ability. I can I draw really well. You know, I'm really good at uh, drawing. Uh, but some people draw stick figures. You know, so we all can draw. It's just where I, I learned at one time in the 1990s, I was upstate New York visiting a friend and I said, you know, I'd really like to know why I have this, you know, what happened to me. And she, I said, so I'm going to go into a trance hypnosis and here's some questions, you know, gave a list of questions to ask. And one of them was, you know, why me? Why do I have this wonderful ability that people just flood to see me? And the answer was, you were available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. Like, what? You mean I'm not this super great person? <laughs> I was available. <laughs> and uh, so we could think about it as, as a walk-in. You know, you went to the other side and another part of a spiritual entity took you. So when I began to realize that I'm here uh, to share this uh, as a gift that I met people from all over the United States, all over the world. I've met, that's the gift. The gift is the wonderful people I've met. To me, that is the gift. Now, that, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your thought there. I was just going to give you a question I got from the chat last Go night. Ahead. So there was a question because I did mention that I was going to be interviewing you on the show today. And the perfect segue for that question just kind of popped up here. Now, the person was asking, like, oh, you're going to be speaking with someone who's a psychic. And they were saying, like, how come all psychics aren't millionaires? How come they're not all, you know, in a you know, a position of power or, or using their abilities for, for more than, you know, just tarot cards or telling someone uh, their, their fortune or whatever? Is, is there some kind of unspoken rule that you can't use it for your own personal benefit? Is there anything like that? Well, there's some that may believe that, and there certainly are some people with uh, psychic abilities that charge a lot of money, 
and they are more in a place of influence. You could think of them more as influencers. Um, I think for many of us that we really enjoy what we're doing, it's a part of who we are. And it's like an artist. Some artists, well, they usually have to die, right, before they become famous. <laughs> Some artists are able, like uh, Andy Warhol or something, they're able to make money at the time. And some artists are just beautiful artists, and some people buy their paintings, like I buy artist paintings, you know, not necessarily well-known ones, but I love their work. So it's somewhat of the same uh, kind of feeling. We do it because we love it. We do it because we do make a difference in people's lives. I can't tell you the amount of people that have written. I've had some people say, you know, I thought this was the end. I was going to commit suicide. I saw you, and you gave me hope. That was Wow. So it's not just for fortune telling. I know people think that's what it is. My readings are aura readings. Um, I read their energy. I read uh, what's going on with them, where they are, or why they are there by actually naming ages and particular kinds of experience that got the, uh, that person to that space. Uh, now I am retired from private practice, by the way, uh, which I deserve. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, but now I feel that the uh, the importance of being on a show like yourself, asking such really good questions, is to be able to encourage and support people that do have intuitive abilities and are uncertain about them. Above the intuition is the psychic mind. It's not all exactly the same, uh, and to to give that to people to balance out the difference and how to progress in it and not to be afraid of it and how to use it as your person and uh the ask this question how to use it for the better i study with a group called the rosicrucians uh and we meditate around the same time every day to enlighten this world and god knows it needs it and sometimes we wonder if it's actually happening but we are dedicated to spend our time to give a thought because thoughts are powerful right absolutely we keep uh, to to hopefully enlighten people to a better space. Okay, I like that. I like that. Now, you did mention that you, you retired, but you were very active. And one of the things you were doing was working with law enforcement to help solve cases. Yes. H how did your reputation precede you to the point where law enforcement were coming to you? And can you also elaborate on some of the cases? Not obviously you can't give details, but maybe just kind of give a little bit of your experience working with the police. Okay, I'll tell that I'm also retired for them. It's really, it was difficult for me to work with the police because you're working with people that are quite um, skeptical. Yeah. And you should be skeptical. I'm actually skeptical of of readers and people say things. That's one of the reasons I'm speaking out more because I keep reading uh, on social media. Oh, I'm really an empath. I'm an intuitive and I'm doing readings for people. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. <laughs> we could talk about that later. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons I am speaking out more in my retirement about intuition and the psychic mind. Uh, the police, it was a, I had a dream, a very difficult, difficult dream one night where I saw a woman being murdered and it was a horrible dream. And I saw so many details of it that I went and shared it with my best friend. I said, oh, my God. And I think this is that. She goes, oh, I know who you're talking about. My neighbor up the street, her sister was murdered. And so that's how I became involved. I gave so many details that there's no way I should know. I didn't know this woman. 
I didn't know her family. I didn't know anything. And so the people, the, the family asked, would I talk to the police? Well, I am a wild child of the 60s and the 70s. I won't go into that lifestyle. And uh, so the police weren't necessarily people I would want to talk to. But I thought, well, my civic duty. So I went ahead and I did talk to the police. Uh, um, It turned out I talked to one detective who asked me about a couple of other cases and was pretty shocked about what I what I was saying. Um, So that was that was how I got into that case. And then. Knowing that a, a woman whose daughter was executed, her and her husband were executed, you know, that was shot in the back of the head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So reluctantly, she asked me, she was heavy and gravy. Oh, it was horrible. Murder is not a pleasant thing at all. No matter how many people may think, oh, the murder case. I'm telling you, it is a horrible thing to to witness through visions and dreams a murder taking place it disrupts your whole entire physical emotional and mental self and uh, so i did meditate on that and got tremendous amount of of information actually one of my sisters who keeps denying that she has this uh did also the woman uh that was deceased made contact with her and so we were able to give the mother um, the information and she had been estranged from her daughter and we were able to make communication between the mother and daughter and to solve things i even feel a little tear now just thinking about this particular murder case uh, to see the relief in the mother to just you know this woman was suffering so badly um, and then the next murder case came somewhat the same way a client of mine a uh, long-term client and i had read for this woman that did get murdered a couple of times and my long-term client called me and I usually don't pick up and I I had a young son and and stuff I don't pick up the phone later at night but I picked it up late at night for me was like 9 30 and uh it was my long-term client and she said my sister-in-law who I read for hasn't come home and she always comes home picks up the kids and then I got involved with that by having visions and actually drew a picture of the man that murdered her, which turned out to be exactly right. And he did go to prison. And uh, I think he was only recently released in the last couple of years after spending 25, 27 years, something in prison for the murder of this woman. And it was like, you ever saw the movie Ghost? Oh, I love it. Love that movie. You know where the ghost is coming out? He's coming out at night and he's sitting at her bed and he's bothering her and he's singing Henry VIII. (laughs) Yep, I remember That's what Cheryl, who's the woman that murdered, every time I opened the freaking closet door or I went somewhere, <laughs> she wouldn't leave me alone until uh, I actually worked with the police. And they were really good. The police detective, who's not dead, actually, uh, did keep in contact with me. I actually made a prediction for him, which he went, eh, 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 eh. turned out to be true. Uh, but the district attorney of that county that I worked with uh, was really good. And they took me on a ride. They came and got me and they took me on a ride to find out where uh, she was and what happened. And everything I said was 100 percent, according wow. to things they never wow. released to the family. That's awesome. uh, so, yeah. And then later, uh, my son became friends with her son. They both grew up, went to the same grammar school and grew up together, not knowing about this. And uh, yeah, it was uh, amazing what you can do. So I did work on a few more cases. Uh, then I decided to retire from it because 
it's difficult. There are certain psychics that work with them and God bless them. You know, uh, it's a it's a difficult thing to work on murder cases. I bet because you almost have to relive through their eyes and it's it, it's got to be horrifying. But I, I, I do want to ask you about something that you touched on there. You, you mentioned dreams and then you mentioned visions. Now, for me, as a person who, who can barely remember their dreams, but does have them occasionally, how can you tell the difference between a vision and a dream? What's the like telltale sign that it's not a dream or a vision that you're experiencing? Well, in a, we know we're in a sleep state, which is considered an altered state of consciousness, meaning your body's going to take care of your vitals, you know, your heartbeat, your blood flow, you know, it's going to keep taking care of those. So, you know, you're in a dream state and you're dreaming and uh, you're right. You know, we don't remember most of our dreams. Most of our dreams are to get rid of stress and to get rid of the day activity and such like that. These dreams are so profound. They're so appear so real we might see a particular event or a particular person or hear words. And then, you know, it's a dream. You wake up, you're in a conscious state again and you go, oh, man, I dreamt this thing. You know, uh, a vision would be a little bit more like, say, you're sitting in uh, a train and you're going by and you get kind of sleepy, you know, but you're somewhat conscious but just somewhat not conscious and you begin to have a vision a vision can happen i can have a i've had visions uh walking down the street or sitting uh walking in nature and you just stop and you see this image taking place in your mental self or even in front of you where you think this can't be true i know physically it's not there but i can't say it's not there that's more of a vision Okay, that makes sense then, because because uh, for me, I was always thinking like a, a vision would be something that happened while you were asleep and you woke up and you just kind of try to pattern your behavior as to what you saw in your dream. Like you might have had a dream, you had an argument with your boss at work, you go to work, you try to avoid that said argument. Like that was where I was kind of confused about the two. So you really opened up my eyes on it because now I have a little bit more understanding on it. Yeah, and you know, a, a vision, a vision can come in a dream. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't, but usually there, uh, you're conscious, aware of the difference, meaning that you know you were dreaming because you woke up. Whereas a vision, you're usually awake or at least semi-awake. Gotcha. Now, here's a question that came from the chat last night. Can you define? what a soul is and how it differs from a spirit and a ghost. Okay. So person's different. soul is to their spirit and ghost. Okay. So uh, with the energy that we have in the universe, cosmic energy, uh, we are uh, spiritual energy. We're vibrating. Um, we're, we're an energy. And we decide we're going to come back to earth. We're going to live here again. I know people say, oh, I'm never coming back. <laughs> Yeah, you probably are, if there is an earth. <laughs> and so the spirit comes into the soul. Soul is usually thought to be around, or we have believed it's around the heart area. We have a, the energy of the spirit comes in closer to the physical being, the soul. And it retains spirit information and spirit connection, but it also is part of the now evolving physical being. Does that make sense? It does. So it kind does. Of, you can't see me, but I'm doing it with my hands. I'm taking the spirit <laughs> up, uh, coming down, putting it in the soul, and then going even lower down to the physical. 
<laughs> gotcha. So the, we, we talk about the Trinity. I mean, I certainly know that there was God as Son and the Holy Ghost. Well, they used to call it Holy Ghost. Now they call it Holy Spirit. <laughs> And so the Trinity in life is a very powerful, the three is considered a very powerful number. Four-leaf clover, the Trinity of a flower, you know. And uh, so we always have free will. But the soul sitting there saying, really? Do you want to do that? Is that going to help us evolve? Is that what you, you know, like that? Does that, I hope that makes sense. No, it, it makes perfect sense, actually, because that was a question that I was asking the chat, because people are always missing, like, just, just kind of like lumping the two together, like your your ghost is your spirit, your spirit and all that other stuff. So that really does open it up for me, even though I'm still kind of confused on the psychic thing, because I had someone on the show a couple of weeks ago that said they had a gift. And the way they tried to describe it to me was it's like you have a company where everybody has their own job and you work for the same company, but everyone excels at a different thing. She was absolutely right. Uh, I don't call the only reason I call it a gift is because it has bettered my life and my consciousness as a person. Otherwise, I call it an ability. And and there are many people who I used to teach, you know, ESP development, intuitive development. And uh, to see people blossom is absolutely wonderful. Uh, I feel like I am in service, meaning can I make anybody's life a better place? Well, that's the gift. But I use my ability to create this gift. Uh, You did ask me a question also about what is the difference between spirit and ghost. Yes. And I'll give you very little part of it. Um, We are we have a spiritual energy. If we could just take the word spirit and think of it as an energy, a color like I read auras. And and so we're all these different colors and they're in the different chakra areas of the body. And uh, we're, we're really vibrating, meaning we're extending out or pulling in. Um, so th- that's the spirit. When the spirit leaves with dead bodies, you ever touch a dead body, how absolutely heavy and cold it is? Yes. Yes. OK. There's no more life in it. Right. Is that what we say? It's gone. The life's gone. The life is the spirit that has left, the spirit of who you are, your personality, your quirks, (laughs) your voice has all left. But my belief is it leaves and it continues on where the body, the physical body is gone. Usually when we leave, most of us don't want to hang around Earth for very long. We're just as happy to float off to the cosmic energy. If you've ever seen pictures of the cosmos, it is absolutely beautifully chaotic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and loud. And loud. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear it, it, it's got a rhythm and a sound to it. So we go there. Uh, the ghost, to me, this is how I differentiate. The ghost is a spirit that does not want to leave the planet for some reason. They want to hang around. They're not finished or they're tied to it or they're tied to something that happened. It could be a a horrific death. It can be uh, that they just really like the physical part of life and they they don't want to give it up. And uh, I did meet a spirit. I I always thought you should pray for these spirits to leave and don't let these ghosts stay here. Then I met the spirit that told me how happy he was to stay with his job. And he loved it. And he loved meeting people that could see him. And I'm like, really? You mean some ghosts choose to be here? And he said, yeah. 
yeah, we're not ready to leave. So why should I pray that he leave? Yeah, I mean, if he's happy, let him do it. Yeah. Now, you are breaking all the rules because I've watched a lot of horror movies. And in horror movies, you're always told, leave them alone. Do not try to contact them. You see the kids, they bust out the Ouija board in a movie and the parents are saying, don't do it. They do it anyway and all hell breaks loose. How do you do it safely? <laughs> this is all very true. I'm laughing because it's so true. <laughs> described it. That's wonderful. Well, you know, films are made to do that, to scare you so you'll watch them. Yeah. <laughs> and, they'll get, you know, they'll get their money back because you went and watched them. Uh, I do not like the Ouija board. I'm going to tell everybody right now. I know you're out there going, eh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I've used it. Uh, I don't know everything. I'm willing to learn. I'm very open-minded. I personally do not like the Ouija board. I think you can attract negative, what I call vampire or low-grade entities to come forward. I certainly did. And luckily, I knew the difference. Um, how to do it safely. How to do it safely is uh, something you want to learn. And you want to learn off another medium. Uh, that is not there to scare you. It's like reading should not leave. You should not leave a psychic reading feeling unsettled and scared. Somehow the reader should help you understand what is being seen. And I, I won't go into how many people I've read where it's not necessarily great news. It's my delivery of it. So uh, with the medium, you should be in some sort of training. There are schools. There are mediums that that teach you how to do it safely. Do you want to protect yourself? Absolutely. In my book, How to Talk with Spirits, um, Seances, Mediums, Ghost Hunts, I talk about protection. You don't want to walk into something that could be potentially dangerous without a big sword by your side. Yeah. And why would you do that? You know, when I see on television, I see these uh, ghost investigators and they're going, ah, and they're jumping up and down like, oh my God, oh my God, why the heck are you doing this if you're that afraid? I ask that question all the time. It's like they have the cameras like we're going to go into the spooky house. The second they hear a freaking floorboard creak, they're all running out the door. It's like, what are you going for? <laughs> you're, you're good. <laughs> it's like, why are you going there, you idiot? Why are you Dude, going? That's how, I, that's how I feel. You know, I like what's really fine investigations. Amy on a ghost. Uh, what is it called? Oh, God. There's so many of them out there. The ghost files. The ghost files. Now, she's for real. She's for okay. real. Yeah. And yeah, I really like watching uh, for real. And when I see the other ones freak out, that's what you learn. You learn saying, how much can I take? Like, I'm a happy medium. I really don't want to go places that are super, super scary. I've been there. I've done it. I know what it's like. Uh, so you learn how to protect yourself through bringing the white light. You could, uh, John Edwards, I understand, says the rosary. He's brought up Catholic, so he uses the rosary. I've used the rosary being brought up Catholic, too. I say a prayer. Even before I would begin a seance, an in-person seance, or now later when we were shut down, I did Zoom seances. Uh, you say a prayer. You protect what's coming in. You decide you're only going to allow those that are bringing, you know, welcoming messages to visit you. You also are able to, uh, when you do meet some vampire dark entities, uh, you could decide to leave that situation. I say do, do not engage them. They, can, they actually can come into your body. They can attach themselves to you. I've had one attachment in all my years, and I know exactly why it happened, but I didn't know it at the time. 
And um, so you do want to protect yourself, learn through a medium. Uh, you can certainly read up. Uh, people want to communicate with spirits. And remind me to tell you a little bit about what's going on with that in the professional world um, regarding sure. communication. Uh, so y- you just don't want to walk into it. If someone comes with me on, a, on an investigation, uh, the camera person, the sound person, the producer, you know, and I'll talk to them. I'll say, OK, we're going into the, like the defense station building in San Francisco. Uh, it, it's now have been raised. Uh, but in the 1906 earthquake, the hotel across the street had the most casualties that happened. So there's all kinds of spirits, ghosts around that area in the, in the San Francisco. Uh, so you have to know how to prepare yourself. I prepare myself days before when I know I'm going on an investigation. And I have said no to some investigations, like uh, the Zodiac Circle. I said no to that. Now, who who was, in your opinion, because you're out there in California, who was the Zodiac Killer in your opinion? I think it's Arthur Lee Allen, if anybody. Well, it would be my opinion, wouldn't it? Of you course. Know, I don't have any psychic information about it. And and I think that that's pointing to to him. Um, that, that's the best. There were great detectives on this. Really good at what they do. And man, those detectives are intuitively strong. They follow because they feel it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, he's dead now. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get the answer to that. But you know what? There is hope because they just found Tupac's killer a couple of weeks ago. So there is hope still for those uh, Zodiac fans. We might get the real killer eventually. Yeah, they they might. So why I did not want to do that is they wanted me to go and talk about the spirits and how they felt. And I just felt it was disrespectful to their living family. Yeah. Who wants to know that there are stories out there? You know, uh, they're still grieving. When there's a horrific death in your family, death alone causes, as you know, grief. But when there's a horrible death like that, you just grieve forever of the, the horrendous situ- way that the person died, your loved one. So I said no to that one. But I did say yes to the the Condor Club, the strip joint. In San <laughs> <laughs> I go, yeah, you always wanted to go there. But nice girls didn't go in there, right? So I'm like, yeah, I want to go there. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you were talking about the Ouija board there, and I know the Ouija board itself doesn't have power, but from what I understand, that spirits, if you're a spirit in the afterlife, you look for ways through communication devices to reach people, and technically that's what that would be, a communication device, right? A Ouija board? Yes. Yes. So, like, they also use, like, TV, radio signals, um, from what I'm aware of. People will use, like, a radio, and you might hear a faint voice in the background or something like that. Is is that their main way of, of communicating? Is that how their energy travels? Well, their energy can travel like that. If there's somebody that likes to watch scary movies or they they just are addicted to television, and God knows there's plenty of them, um, and a spirit sees, usually negative entities are interested in people that are old and not well, young children, uh, certainly anybody who's ill, suffering very much, because you're weakened, and therefore they can come through. Um, I've had them wanted to come through me, and I've said, well, this is a station I won't say exactly the words I used, but more or less told them there ain't no way you're not coming into me, you know, because that's what they want to do. They want to come into your body and use your body. Now, I have given spirit inform, uh, messages 
and I've allowed very carefully allowed that particular spirit to speak to a loved one by using my voice, meaning that my voice changed. I allowed them to speak their language and use my voice. And then I cut it off. I'm like, okay, that's enough. But uh, dark entities, they, they just want to take over and, and really drink the blood of the living person in a sense, drink the blood, meaning that they take your, your body, your energy. Oh man, that's horrifying stuff, but <laughs> it's very horrifying. But what would separate you from, from, from me, to, so to speak, a person who's never had a supernatural sighting. I've never had anything supernatural happen to me before. Is it something that happens uh, when you're a child, when you're more susceptible, you're more open-minded to things? Do you just become hardened and just, you know, you just stop thinking about the stuff as you get older and you just never see it? What what makes someone just not able to, I guess, see this kind of stuff? Well, okay. So when you're a child and up to a teenagers, teenagers are very vulnerable because they're going through a lot of changes, hormone changes. They're pulling away from childhood. Uh, so children are much their minds are still open. If we, we think, you know, how people say, give it up to the universe, give it up to the universe. Yeah. Children are still part of the universal energy. I never give anything up to the universe. I believe I already am the universe. I use the energy from the universe. I don't give it up. Uh, you know, we could say, let go and let God. And sometimes I have to do that in dire situations, like I can't figure this out. But children are uh, very open. And that's the sad part about people that take advantage of children, because they'll believe so much. Their mind is still have a fantasy energy around it. And they can be very uh, open to these kind of negative entities being seen and then fooling them the same way adults can. They can fool you that, oh, yeah, I'm your loving grandfather. I'm here and I'm just, you know. So it's such a delicate balance. It really is a delicate balance between knowing when you're being fooled with a negative or it truly is a spirit. Uh, that, that takes practice. It takes knowledge. It uh, takes you looking at it differently than just believing was that answering all the question? And then later, you absolutely. How do you become? I don't think you become jaded. I think we enter into the world, the world of logic and reason, which becomes too strong. Um, it becomes that everything should be able to be measured and seen on a physical way, and therefore, it's a scientific approach. If I can't prove it in a physical way, it does not exist. How many of your listeners pray to God, the goddess, the all, uh, a saint? I still use St. Anthony because I lose stuff all the time. Uh, you know, how do we know that they're actually there? Exactly. It's a faith. It's all faith. Yeah. You believe it. How do you how can you explain it to me? I, I ask people, tell me about your God. I mean, when I was growing up, God was this old white man, <laughs> you know, which I don't believe. So, I don't know what God would be. If, if I had to describe God, I would just say the Alpha, the Omega, just everything. I mean, you, you, it, I don't, I don't think God has a gender. I just think God is just a, a being that created what you see in front of you. That's, that's. I, there's really no way for, for me to describe it. How would you? Well, I would describe it as you are. Okay. It's a, an enormous energy, and that energy uh, is seen like outside in the skies and it has no gender just what you said that's how i 
uh, pray to. In, in the Rose of Christians, we use the word God, but we call it the God of our hearts, meaning what it, what does it mean to you from your heart? What, what does your uh, intuition and your heart tell you who you are aligned to, who is fostering your energy, who is leading you? How do you connect with that? And uh, the master within. You know, the great the great subconscious mind that we have, but we don't tap into it. Usually, most people don't. They they read the news and they go, oh, it must be true. It's on the news. It's like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. And could you look at this? I think that perception has been changing, though, as of late, the whole news being correct about things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, I don't know how correct it is. It's uh, whoever's leading it. You know, uh, Hearst certainly knew how to play everything up. All you have to do is put a picture on somebody and you pick the worst picture on planet Earth to, to photograph the, yeah, photograph of this person. And you write a story about him and everybody looks at the picture and goes, oh, my God, this must be a horrible person exactly. without, even, without even reading the article. <laughs> and that's what it is. The article could just be a blank article, but they see that picture. and They don't even read. They don't care. You're automatically guilty by association. That's the way it works nowadays. So that's kind of uh, when you when you're doing your psychic work, you um, you see. You have a vision. You see your um, clairvoyance. It's called clear seeing or maybe you hear your clear audio or clear sensing. You feel there's all different kinds of ways you receive information. But visual is a very strong one. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you a question here, because one thing I hate is people being taken advantage of. And there are a lot of grieving people out there in the world that lost someone close to them or you know, just looking for some sense of closure and that believe in the afterlife, but have no way of getting in touch with people that they desperately want to. How can someone out there that's grieving weed out the kooks, people peddling snake oil from the real deal, people that can actually help them reach the people that they're trying to reach? Well, they could read my book. <laughs> there you go. What's the name of your book? <laughs> Thank you for that segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> This is important. And I've certainly had people come to me who have already gone to those kind of people, whether for a full reading or for a mediumship for connecting with spirit. You know, not all readers are mediums and not all mediums are readers. You know, that's that's a difference. Don't go to a reader if you're specifically asking to connect with the spirit of a loved one. Um, for one thing, you want to see you know, what are they charging? Is it within reason? You know, uh, to your budget, to what you have, uh, you know, just because somebody charges you a thousand dollars, but somebody charges you under fifty dollars, you know, it is their time. I mean, if this their profession. You have to kind of gauge that. It doesn't mean the person charging a thousand dollars is any better than the person charging the two hundred dollars. And um, can they relate? You ha you have to go with an open mind and an open heart. Meaning, I'm open to what you say, but I also will keep my logic about me. The medium should be able to, in a short period of time, give you something specific. I'll give you an example. I went on a ghost tour at a well-known uh, hotel here in Berkeley, the Clarendon Hotel, who uh, reportedly it, it's it's very haunted. I, I liked it. and. 
there was a woman there at the concierge and we were joking and talking and she said, I wish you would give me some message for my parents. And I was like, Oh God, don't start asking me for messages. I'm here for fun. But I went back to her. She was a very nice lady. And she gave me a little thing to go get a glass of champagne. So I said, I give her, I gave her specifically what I believed I was hearing. And she just was awed by it. Even me, I'm always odd. I'm like, oh, wow, where'd that come from? And it was about big steps, little steps, big step. I told her that. And she went, oh, my God, my father was 6'3". My mother was 5'3". And she was always telling him, stop taking such big steps. I had never met this woman in my life until last night for about 10 minutes. So that meaning what I'm saying about that is the medium should be able to give you something specific about your relationship but if you have an open mind you will understand it here's another example i was doing a, a seance I, I don't do much anymore certainly not in my house anymore but um i said okay i i feel this man i feel his name is maybe uh, a arthur he's got kind of uh, hazel eyes and uh, you know i'm trying to get specific so that she knows is this your person and she says no his name is Arnold, and he actually had more brown hazel, not green hazel eyes. I'm like, well, what the? F <laughs> and that's the kind of thing a medium comes yeah. up against, is that people are skeptics. Like, it's got to be exactly, exactly what I remember. When you go in spirit, it could be your very old grandmother that passed away, and you look at her and you go, I love my granny, but she was just wrinkled and fat. When she comes back, She's like hot mama from 1950s with high heels on and a little dress. And you say, no, that's not my grandmother because she was old. When we were in spirit, we could return any way we want. We could be seen any way we want at the special time of our life. You know, I look at photographs. I go, wow, that was me. I'd like to be seen like that again. <laughs> Thank God he doesn't have the camera on. <laughs> So the medium should have something specific. You should be able to ask questions, uh, you know, like, Daddy, uh, how are you doing? I usually pick up something that they passed away from. Like, uh, it could be like, well, he says his legs feel much better. Uh, he doesn't have all the cramping. They said, yeah, the last few years of his life, he, uh, he had a lot of pains in his legs. Uh, and I said, yeah, it, it had to do with a heart condition. And they said, yes. So I move on. Now, if I'm totally off the you know the market i'm just totally off of the the point i don't mind that you know i don't mind that it does it's like okay uh, i'm not picking anything up usually in the first 10 minutes of any of my readings if i totally am not picking anything up and the person chooses not to continue i do not take any money any money but if we continue and I tell them, uh, even though you're unsure of the message, we could continue, but then you are obligated to pay me. I tell them. Yeah. So I let them make the choice. Absolutely. And I think that, that would be a good way for most psychic readers and mediums, but they do have to be paid for their time. I agree. I agree. Nothing in this world's free. And if you're going to be sitting there giving all your time and answering all these questions for people and dealing with the, you know, unstable supernatural force, a possibly unstable supernatural force, you better get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just fair. It's like showing up at a job and you stay there and you showed up and you're all ready. And the person says, we don't need you. Goodbye. You want to be paid for something. 
Exactly. They get the combination for the safe and they're like, all right, see you later. We got what we needed. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And so the, the, the meeting should be able to give you something specific. You should be able to answer some questions to your, even if you don't understand it, uh, at least you're open to saying, oh, okay, all right, you know, um, let me think about it, which is really kind of a good way to do it if you're willing to go on with the with the session. Uh, is say, let me think about it. There are enormous amount of people that have gotten readings from me that have gotten in touch with me a week or two, even once 10 years later and said, I didn't think you, you were right. And oh my God, everything you said has taken place. And I'm like, well, good. Did that work out for you? Fine. I'm not that attached to being right or wrong. Exactly. You're not there to debate people. You're there to give them answers. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. People are just a pain in the ass. That's a, it's, it's just the worst. Um, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> the absolute worst. Now you see why I retired. Now, how does a seance work? The reason why I'm asking you this is because I've seen, you know, everyone's seen in movies, you know, you got a bunch of people sitting around a table, they got candles lit, a spirit comes up in the middle of the table. You're messing with potentially catastrophic shit. <laughs> Pardon the, the language there. How do you prepare yourself for what could possibly come through these seances? Okay, so there's things called, um, like, we'll take John Edwards, for example, spirit communication, where he has a whole auditorium of people. That's kind of spirit communication it's very open or the um the spiritualist church if anybody lives near a place where there's a spiritualist church they have spirit messages on certain nights go there and experience it and, th and those mediums they're pretty darn good but again keep an open mind uh it's something you may understand later not in the moment um so a seance is a smaller gathering the word seance itself is actually from a french word which means to sit and rest it goes back to when they used to have um political meetings uh you know the uh, neighborhood all got together and had it and people would sit and listen to everybody they'd fall asleep <laughs> that's where it came from <laughs> really? it came from French word of sitting and falling asleep <laughs> so a seance could be really long. It could be some people could find it boring. You know, once you commit, you have to stay in that circle or at a table. Usually you do uh, uh, hold hands or touch uh, fingertips, you know, to the persons on either side of you because you're making a connection, a vibrational connection. And you sit and candles are nice because it takes your mind a darkened room with candles going gives you a feeling of relaxing a little bit. Instead of the bright light on, right? It you does. know, it's when I meditate, I light my candle, but I do it through the day, but I still have my candle there. And so you're sitting there, you're relaxing. I lead the people in saying, you know, do whatever prayer you feel. And then I, I, I bless the circle. I, I actually make a circle with my hand and say only good can enter herein. We're not inviting any other entities here. Uh, we're open to messages, whoever wants to come in. Remember, you could call a spirit up, but they don't have to answer your text or your phone. <laughs> they yeah, may say, absolutely. Yeah, they may say, uh, you know, right now I'm really uh, floating on the clouds. Call me later. <laughs> So, you know, you can't expect that. And you certainly may not hear. I've had done many messages where it's completely not related to the person the the, the uh, participant wanted to hear from. 
And they go, well, why would I hear? I have women say, that's a third grade teacher. Why? Because she says, you have to remember how good you are at math. You have to remember. And it turned out that she was in an accountant job and she wanted uh, more money for her work. So the third grade teacher that taught her about math came through. Um, anyway, you, you're prepared. And it, it's better in a darker room. It's certainly, oh God, I've done spirit communication anywhere and light and play i did one at safeway one time uh, there i was looking <laughs> at safeway <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. i was there going through looking at what kind of beans to put my three bean salad you know da, 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 da. a man was standing next to me looking at the beans and suddenly his father came i'm like oh no don't do this to me he says i just want you to tell my son how much he loves me i mean how much i love him uh, i'm like no please and so what i said was God, my father used to make this salad. He was so good at it, and I can't remember you know, how he made it exactly. He said, that's funny. I was thinking of my father the other day. I said, you know what? Our fathers did love us in their own way, didn't they? And he kind of stopped for a moment, and he said, yeah, yeah I guess so. And then I left. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah. Now, how, now I, how could you tell it was a like a spirit are, are they translucent can you see through them does it look like a regular person how, how do they look well they usually comes in your mind it's, it's usually all very mental they show up in your mind most of them don't actually show up physically it is so hard for a spirit to show up physically because you have to transfer through these di different dimensional spaces to come down so they usually don't and when they do even me a seasoned medium I don't particularly care for it. I'm like, oh, no, I don't particularly want to see them like that. Could you just come in my mind, I say? So usually it happens all in the mind. Uh, that's how the, it's like um, if I sent you a, a ESP message, telepathic message, say I'm going to send you a message. Where are you going to get it? You're not going to see me, but you're going to start thinking it in your mind. Mm. Yeah. I, I God, I could, I love teaching this stuff because it makes so much sense when a person gets it. They go, oh, my God. You know, I was thinking of my best friend the other day and he called. I'm like, there you go. Huh. So it's it's like that. They usually don't show up. Do they show up translucently? Yes, they can. <laughs> Better translucent than actually physical form. I'm telling you, when I've had a dead person show up, uh, the murder victim show up actually physically. Even I went, eee! yeah i'm a little scared medium and then uh so so like that and they, the dark entities they'll show up you know they they want to scare you and so I these are go, the malevolent beings like the ones yes. that come back just and i say things like are... you don't scare me <laughs> much <laughs> now are there yeah, levels to that true. Being a supernatural, can some of them, because you, because we, we were talking about ghosts a little while ago, and there were there were scenes in the movie where Patrick Swayze like couldn't pick up the penny, but then he had to learn how to do it. Is there some sort of that on the other side where they can learn to do things? Yes, yes. But you know, doing things in the physical form, he was uh, manifesting in the physical form to pick it up, and it's hard yeah. because. They're they're um, again, they're an aura, they're an energy, they're translucent, as you're saying. Um, on the other side of your learning, you're learning more about uh, you may be a comfort to the children that come over. That may be your job on the other side. 
to take the little angels and bring them into a place of comfort. Uh, you may be for the animals. Perhaps you're learning on the other side how to, and I think that there's more and more of those people returning into body that are showing us about how to take care of animals. And look how much is the awareness is growing about the care of animals. And that's something on the other side that you learned and you said, well, I'm going to come to earth with a purpose. So when I came back to earth from death, uh, my purpose was to do exactly what, what I eventually I'm doing now is to teach more, you know, and the way to do that was I was given the ability to do psychic readings and be a medium to uh, establish my, you know, professional self. And now I can get to teach more like I hope I'm doing here. I have learned a lot. And if you don't mind, I do have a couple more questions here for you. Just very important things. Okay. I, mean, I, I this do is serious business. Can I just say this before we run out of time? There is a great film out called Life with Ghost. It's won a lot of awards. Uh, it's a it's a documentary. I actually have had a chance to uh, meet the producer and filmmaker. Uh, and it's about the studies that are doing about can we really communicate with spirit? And it has to do with long-term grief. How can we help? grieve you know long we're all supposed to grieve a year or two that, that's very reasonable after that we have to get on with life but long-term grief is debilitated to, to the uh, body the actual physical body life you don't have much of a good life you're in depression uh life with ghost please look it up um it's a absolutely good documentary on how professionalists scientists and psychoanalysts are beginning to say you can communicate with spirits. Now that's a big deal in this in the in psychoanalysts and psychiatrists saying that. And they're they're you know I I always say science is catching up with metaphysics. You just read my mind because that was actually my next question for you was going to be how can someone safely connect to the other side and you just jumped the gun on me there so there you go <laughs> psychic right there. It must have been a telepathic message. You got me. <laughs> so so somebody in the um, yeah. someone who can help find a therapist. Uh, you know, if you don't want to go to a medium, they're actually, and I can't remember the name, there's, there's a, a growing therapy that includes communicating with spirit through educated and licensed psychotherapists. That's a big step. Yay. <laughs> All right. I have a couple more questions here for you, um, because this one right here is, is is very important. This is actually the most asked question from things you've heard from spirits in the afterlife, just through your years of, of, of communicating with the afterlife here. Can you describe, because you did say that you went there briefly and you felt overwhelming peace, but you're only there for a brief time and prolonged conversations with the afterlife. Can you kind of give us a description of what it's actually like on the other side to be dead? Well, these are only my experiences, some of what I've uh, studied from people that I uh, respect and I've tried. You must always experiment your own self. I've heard different mediums have different ways. Um, for me, on the other side, nirvana, heaven, however you want to call it, dimensional space, because you do not have the physical uh, needs, you know, pay your rent, eat who you like, who you love, failed relationships, uh, economic uh, disasters. Because you don't have that, you're free. You know, people get high to be free, right? Let's go smoke a blunt and we'll be free of all this stuff. And you're actually free. You're free to really think of what is important to you. 
So you still have what's called a mind. And actually, I have an article on that. Maybe I'll send it to you, the scientific study about the difference between the mind and the brain. And I'm really big on the, the new uh, brain things that are coming out. Neural, neural surgeons, brain surgeons who do all this. So you're, you don't have the stress of, of living on planet Earth. If you didn't have the stress of living on planet Earth, what kind of things would you think about? Serenity, peacefulness, love. You don't have the same uh, reasons to be angry at certain people. You know, we're always angry at somebody. They looked at me wrong. Or can you believe what she said? And we spend time with that. Who needs it? And on the other side, that's how I look at it. I look at it as a peaceful place. I look at it a place where uh, in Buddhism, there's a particular a yogi, uh, Satchinananda, that uh, I listen to. And he would talk about inside of the universe in your own self is beautiful gardens. And I actually heard him after, years after my experience of looking into a garden. Beautiful gardens and flowers and scents. And with your pets, I really look forward to seeing my pets, my horse, my dogs and cats through my life. So I, in my world, in my heaven, I'll be with my pets. I'll be with my loved ones. We're a very funny family. My sister, who I just adored on the other side, we did nothing but laugh <laughs> at oh. things. Try to We tried to be kind, though. We, we didn't gossip. So that's how I look at it. What is your experience? What do you think heaven would be like? That's what's going to be your experience on the other side. You see, you know what my question is about heaven all the time is, let's say... If I was to get remarried, let's say my wife unfortunately passed away and I got remarried, I fell in love again and I, you know, passed away 40 years from now. We're both in heaven. And this is the awkward situation where it's like, hey, there's my old wife and here's the one I remarried. What if her heaven was to be with me, but my heaven was to be with my new wife? It's like, how does that work? Do you just get a like a carbon copy of the person you want to be with, or does the spirit get tied to someone else? Because someone else's heaven could be my hell in heaven. You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Edgar Casey wrote about that in one of his books. Uh, he was the was he was considered the modern day psychic. His institute in Virginia still is uh, teaching and going on. Uh, he's long gone. He's transitioned a long time ago. He liked his wine, by the way, and. Um, <laughs> We, we need things like that after yes. a few sessions. So he said that you should not remarry. I disagree with that because I am remarried. When you get to the other side, again, you don't have the your, your former wife, if she goes before you, she will be happy to see you. She might even help you over. And then you're there. And then your second wife or third wife, whatever other partner comes up, we don't have the same issues of jealousy. And ownership, because relationships are a lot about ownership. You're, he's mine. You ain't never going to touch him. You're right. You know, I suffered from jealousy. Uh, and I, I know what jealousy feels like until I have a good frank talk with myself. And uh, so on the other side, you don't have those issues. So you can all say we were all learning together. Remember, what did you learn? Why are you learning it? 
what are you going to do now with this new knowledge? It could be that your both your wives were teaching you. Perhaps you were this poor little soul that just had to learn how to be more open emotionally. So both wives were saying, oh, we did our job with him, didn't we? <laughs> and they're laughing. <laughs> and you're going, wow, it took me, it took me another. I kind of learned it with the first one, but the second one, I really got it because she just said, listen. <laughs> So we don't have the same uh, human emotions when we're on my belief and others believe. I mean, you can read about this in different spiritual books uh, that we don't have the same emotions that we have as human beings. As human beings, we're always afraid. Look at the world now, the war. What's going to be taken care of, uh, taken from us? Who's going to get the food? Who gets to drink the water first? Hey, those are all human emotions. Those are human needs. We live in fear on planet Earth that somebody is going to take something away from us that we should have. We don't have that on the other side. We're free. You know what? That sounds that sounds very valid to me because there's a thing that I always re- I always reference back to when you're a child. You know, up until the age of five years old, you're free, you're happy, you're always smiling. And then you go to school, and then you you know you go to school until you're 18 years old, 17. You know, it depends whenever you start. Then after that, you go right to work, and it's like those experiences in life of just having to do things, always being on a schedule. You have to worry about your grades, and you get out and you go into the workforce. You have to worry about your bills, your house, your mortgage, your family. You you just get beaten down, and just to let that all go, it sounds like the ultimate peace, the way you're describing the afterlife. You don't have those things holding you back anymore. So my question Mm -hmm. to you would be, why are there malevolent spirits? Why are there evil beings if that's the ultimate peace? Have you ever gotten any like reason why they're so there's so many of them or they're just just evil entities out there why would there be if it's so peaceful i could only give you my thoughts that's all and uh i i would answer it this way to me look at the people that are disturbing our life now through lies through um cruelty to others um through dominance and we could talk about them being evil uh, you know, spiritual belief is nobody's really evil and we just misguided and blah, blah, blah. I don't think there's more malevolent uh, ghosts and, and entities than there are better ones. But those are the ones that he, we human who are filled with fear love to focus on. If I post something on my social media and it's really very nice and very spiritual, I get some answers. But God help me if I post something and say, oh, it was a terrible day and I this or that or this person. I get so many responses because exactly. more people gravitating to the negativity. You got I, I, I tried telling my husband, I said, watch this. I'm going to post this thing. So <laughs> so I did it. And, and I said, look at the comments on this compared to the comments on that. That's why the news only reports the crime. They never report the good stuff. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's why I don't really, uh, I do stay on top of certain world news, but I don't watch the news in general. I don't watch local news and all that. You know. You're better off for it. I, you know, what's the, how do, what am I going to do with all those poor children that went off the cliff in the, in the school bus and died? What am I going to do but feel bad? Exactly. I wish them well. I hope Texas takes care of them. You know, I'll, and I'll leave it like that. Oh, absolutely. Now, I do have one last question for you. There's something that we were going to uh, kind of touch back on, but we didn't get back to it. We, we mentioned how there was a lot of crap going on Twitter and a lot of just misinformation on Facebook and just people out there saying the world's going to end. They're talking about numbers like 666, 923, and certain dates are going to be the apocalypse. 
Some people are saying the eclipse tonight is going to be the end of the world. What do you think about all this stuff? All the crazy shit yeah. online. <laughs> Even before there was social media, uh, I remember the world coming to an end several times. I had one sister that hurried up and got away from the Bay Area and took a bus with her young toddler way up to the mountains to be away because we were going to be dead. Well, she had to come back because, you know, her money ran out and we were still here. So <laughs> if it is going to happen, it's going to happen. Do I want it? No, I have I have a, a family. I have grandchildren. Uh, I don't want that for them. But if it is, it is. We are in an evolution. It is a dark time, like the dark ages. My mother and father in Scotland lived through the bombings of World War II. They bombed homes near them. They were in the shelter. Everybody thought this was the end of the world. It was end of a certain part of the world. Um, so we let's hope we make it out like we made it out of the Great War in 1916, uh, the other war in 1940s. Let's hope we make it out and that we learn something progressive. Um, I don't know. I think that we will. There will be some of us that survive disease disasters floods climate change we were warned in climate change back in the 1970s i remember that and we never did anything mm. you know mm. so we're only human right did that answer your question do i believe it's going to end my belief is no my belief is that the way we live and understand i mean certainly someone like me who only has maybe 10 years or 20 years of my life it's so different it's so different for me now. But I think the, the world, the actual earth itself will prevail, that we will go on in some way, not as we, you and I know it as now. It's a very grim world out there, but it takes people like you to teach people like me that there's a better thing waiting for us. And that's what I'm taking from this special show today. And I do appreciate you, June, for coming on today, because it really gave me a much better perspective on death. I mean, I was horrified of it, but now I do have a little bit of hope that it is going to get better. Yeah, yeah. It's make it better here. You know, do something. I find joy. I um, walked down to the beach today before the show and I looked at the ocean and I said, oh, Mother Air Ocean, you are so beautiful. Thank you, you know, for being here. So. I live in Myrtle Beach. I should be doing that every morning. Maybe that's why I'm so miserable because I don't do that kind of stuff. I think there's another lesson to be learned. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, even if you um, sit and vision it, if you don't have time to go to, but even if you, I, I just walk down and walk back, you know, it's only two miles down and back yeah. and just take that moment preparing for the show. I said, well, you know what, let, let me be at peace. And when I come back and then I did my meditation and then before I knew it was 10 o'clock. That's amazing. Now, June, this is the part of the show where I want you to plug all your things. I know you, 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 have, you have a few books out there. I want you to just plug everything, tell people where they can find you, where they can buy the books, everything you have. I want you to plug it. Go ahead. Okay. I appreciate that you said Ahern for more. Most people call me <laughs> English. And that's good. You, you must have been part Irish or something. So my website JuneAhern.com uh, has a lot of information about what I'm doing this month, whether it's in person uh, talks, whether it's on Zoom. Uh, my books are all there. My book, The Timeless Counselor, you know, the best guide to a successful psychic reading. Don't I always say don't even go for reading until you read this book. It tells you how to prepare for it, how to ask questions to get the most, how to avoid scammers. 
how to know the difference and all kinds of ways and what to do with the information after. Just don't get a reading and then go think, oh, well, let's see if it works. What a waste of money. Just what can you do with the information to progress yourself and be more uh, fulfilled successfully? My book, How to Talk with Spirits, absolutely goes through every way I really promote a person doing it themselves. But like me, when I was grieving for my sister, I had to go to a medium because I was so emotionally distraught. I, I just couldn't get it together. But I wrote a whole chapter of how you could do it yourself, how to celebrate Halloween. That's a great chapter. Uh, and at the end of both those books is my ESP intuitive quiz to find out what are your abilities and also not what your abilities are, how to make your abilities more acute how to make them, you're more keen to them. Uh, my other two books are novels. I had a great time writing them. One is about, both about Scottish people. One about a family that comes to live in San Francisco. The little girl is a uh, psychic, but her father is really against it. The other book is about uh, the summer of love, sex, drugs, rock and roll and murder. So those are my books. Um, I love it if you want to come and learn more from me. Uh, I love sharing other people's works, too, that I find valid and useful. Unbelievable, June. I'm going to check everything out. I cannot wait to dig into this stuff, and I hope I can become a psychic as well, because I feel like there's something going on in there, and I might be able to pull it out thanks to you and your guidance here. June, Good. absolute pleasure. You've been one of my favorite guests. Yes, Thank okay. you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for coming on The Voices of Misery, June. Take care.